Get your Bibles open to the book of Genesis, if you would. Yes, thank you. Children, you can be released this morning, amen, to Sunday school. Praise God. As they're going, we were blessed this week to be able to preach a revival um, in Denver, or Brighton, actually. And I uh, got to preach at some churches that I have not preached at before, and it was a blessing to see what God is doing in other parts. We are with Pastor Jerry and Robbie and uh, in Brighton, and then we were in Denver, right downtown Denver, in a church with Pastor Marco and Melissa, and on a Wednesday night, and then we were able to go down to our rally in Cortez. We were there Thursday and Friday, and uh, it was a great short time, just like ours is, real short and real quick, not long enough. But it was powerful while we were there, great messages, and then traveled all day yesterday to get back. And so it was a great week, and I thank God for my daughters singing for me every time we went to, I went to preach. And I told Destiny the other day, I said, I might start asking you to sing every time before I preach, amen. How many, I'm just saying this because she's my daughter, she's anointed, amen. How many feel the presence of God when she sings, amen. So if you start seeing her sing more, it'll be because I'm asking her to, amen, not because she wants to. But I thank God for that anointing. We had people just saying, man, you, your, your daughters are so, so anointed. And I said, thank, that's, it's just something to be proud of. Amen. I prayed for that their whole lives, that they would be consecrated to God and that they would play an instrument and, and, and be used. And so it was an awesome thing to have them with us. I heard we had great services here and great messages. Amen. God is moving around the world. <clears throat> How many believe that? God is moving around the world. But you know what? You, when you go out and you see other churches, you thank God for what you have. I'm thankful for this church. Amen. I'm thankful for all of you. And <clears throat> you go out and you sometimes see the struggle. Amen. The struggle that people are going through in other churches. And we're not that we don't have struggles, but we're just blessed to be getting to a place of maturity, getting to a place where we're growing and we're seeing the vision that God has placed before us. And now after 16 years of being in this fellowship, I just continue to see that it works. I just continue to see over and over again that, that what we're doing works. It's not perfect, but it works. And we're trying our best to do what God calls us to do, amen? And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk this morning a little bit to the fathers, amen? And this is, uh, if anybody knows me, this is the area in my life that I am the most serious about, feeding and into lives of men and trying to be uh, there to be an example as a father and also to speak things that we need to learn as fathers because it is God's will as I said a few minutes ago that the men rise up and be what God has called them to be amen in every area of their lives amen that is God's will it doesn't matter how much there's a, a push to, to destroy the family. It doesn't matter how much there's a push to be equal. It doesn't matter how much the world does. It does not change God's word that God said that Christ is the head of the church and that the man is under Christ as the head of the house. That will not change no matter what laws they put into play. It will not change no matter what equality happens. It's still God's plan for the man to lead. Amen. It always has been and always will be. So as we're in Genesis 6, I want to just uh, lighten the load for a second and, and read something. Um, you know, as, as you're, we had, you know, several fathers, 15 or 20 fathers this morning, and we have some grandfathers now, amen. I, I don't know if there's, besides Paul and my dad, if we had any others that were grandparents. Is there any, did I miss somebody? Yeah, really, okay, yeah, two more, sorry. Really grandfather over here. <laughs> Granddaddy of granddaddies, and great, amen. 
So we have four grandfathers and then fathers. Then you got someone who wants to be a grandfather. Amen. Not for a while, but I want to be one. I'm not trying to push anything along, but I want grandkids. I love, I love to play with kids. Hand them back. Spoil them. Hand them back. I'm waiting for that day. Amen. And I know I'm going to have beautiful grandkids when I get them. Amen. Just because I want them doesn't mean I'm, I'm wanting them. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm saying. So a, fa- a famous father wrote this. He said, my, now that my father is a grandfather, he just can't wait to give money to my kids. But when I was a kid, I'd ask him for 50 cents. And he'd tell me the story of his life. How he got up at 5 a.m. when he was 7 years old and walked 23 miles to milk 90 cows. And the farmer for whom he worked had no bucket, so he had to squirt the milk into his little hand and then walk eight miles to the nearest can, all for five cents a month. The result was I never got 50 cents that I asked for my dad. But now he tells my children every time they come in the house, well, let's see how much money old granddaddy has for his wonderful grandkids. So the famous father says, the minute they take that money out of his hands, I call them over to me. I snatch it from them. I say, that's my money (laughs) that I never got. (laughs) Amen. The other story is this famous man says that there's a difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. He insists that Mother's Day is a much bigger deal because mothers are much more organized. Mothers say to their children, here's a list of what I want. Go get the money from your father. and You surprise me on Mother's Day. Do that for me organization father says i'm going to give each of my five kids twenty dollars so they can go out and buy me a good present that's a total of a hundred bucks they go to the store and buy two packages of underwear each of which costs five dollars and contains three pairs they tear them open and each kid wraps up one pair of underwear the sixth goes to the salvation army so therefore on father's day i'm walking around with Five, pair, five pairs of new and one pair of old underwear. My kids are walking around with $90 of my money in their pockets. <laughs> Amen. Mothers are more organized. Praise God. Let's read Genesis chapter 6 this morning. And don't forget, we're not going to have service tonight. We're going to let you be with your families and uh, visit or just hang out with them today. This is one of the two days, I think, of the entire year we don't have a service at night. Mother's Day is the other one, and we just let you be with your families. Um, But I want to give you a message this morning called the favor of being a covenant father. The favor of being a covenant father. How many believe in favor? God's favor. Now, you know that in our church, we don't preach a prosperity message in the the lines of name it and claim it. And, and, you know, if you do this, he'll do that and all that. But I do believe that when you are walking, this is for mothers too or single people, but especially for fathers, when you're walking in the will of God, God's favor follows you. Many, many years ago, I don't know how long ago, I preached a message called fog. Do you have fog in your life? And that means favor of God. And to this day, I still have a lot of people that remember that in the, in the home church. I think I preached it at a conference because we went on this trip one time many years ago and I could just tell that God's favor was all over us. Everything we did, everywhere we went, you could just tell God was opening up doors. And how many know the little blessings sometimes are bigger than the big ones? You know, big big ones are awesome. Big blessings are awesome. Anytime God gives us a blessing. But the little ones, to me, make more, more importance because the little ones shows that God knows you. He really knows you. And so we, we, we just an example, this last week, we would go 
you know, to, obviously we're on the road, so we go get something to eat at some place or get some bagels for breakfast or whatever it was. And everywhere we went, I would notice that we would go to, to get something. And as soon as we, whether it was ice cream or food, we'd walk away and get our food or get our ice cream, whatever we were doing. And all of a sudden, 15 or 20 people would walk in and get in line. You ever had, have you ever seen that happen to you? I notice that that happens to me a lot. I, I consider that favor. I don't like standing in lines. So we're, there's nobody there, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's packed. And I look over, and I tell my girls and my wife, look, man, there's a whole bunch of people here now that weren't here five seconds ago. We went to get a rental car. Um, our, the pastors there flew us in for the revival, and, but we got a rental car. And so I just got the cheapest one, like always, and I got a good deal. $200 for the week, I think, which is a really good deal for seven days. Intermediate, whatever, you know, whatever that price was. So we get there in Denver, walk into the rental place, and I'm always going to ask. How many remember Pastor Minova's message? Amen, about asking. You, 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 all they can do is say no. And so I walk in there, and I say, hey, how you doing? I'm real nice and smiling and everything. She was real nice back to me. They were about to close. And I said, uh, can you give me a free upgrade? You know what she said? No, sorry. Y'all were what you were expecting. I was going to get something, didn't you? She said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I said, okay. And I thought, well, that didn't work. But she said, uh, I said, what, what kind of car do I have? I'm going to be driving it for a week, and I'm big. And she says, well, I'm, I got a Hyundai Elantra or a, or a Toyota Corolla. I'm like, cool. Those aren't full-size cars, but we'll make it work. So all of a sudden, she goes to, to find out what they have, and the guy says, hey, um, Make sure we have what, you know, he's, you're telling him you can have before he goes out. She goes, oh, okay. So she starts walking out the door, and when we first pulled in the parking lot, there was a brand-new Charger there, brand-new Dodge Charger, gray, calling my name. I thought, oh, it would be nice to drive hundreds of miles in that thing right there. So she starts walking out the door, and, and, and I say, hey, if you can't find anything out there that's for me, I'll take that Charger. I was just messing around, joking. She stopped, turned around, looked at me, and said, you want the charger? I said, yeah. She said, okay. That's favor. How do you go from 30 seconds earlier saying, I can't do an upgrade, to saying, you want, the favor? You want, you want a charger? Okay. So he drove in that nice, big, fast charger all week and had room. Amen? That's, that's favor because when you're in a covenant with God, he blesses you. And it's not that we're looking for those things. It's just that when we understand that we're doing what's right, he blesses us. And we're not looking for those things, but he just blesses us. And so the, the, the word covenant means to make a promise or to be in agreement. And so when we say I'm going to be a covenant father, we as fathers, and this applies for all, but we as fathers this morning need to be men who promise and agree and, and fulfill that promise. And we know that we, ha we will fail. Men, can you say amen? We will fail in that, but God never fails. So he's a God of covenants, and that's an amazing thing. You know, when you tithe and you give your money to the Lord, you are in covenant with God. God says, I will never let you fail when you are in covenant with me. Amen? And so, fathers, we become into covenant with God. And I want to read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord saw, sorry, the Lord was sorry that he'd made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
Now, how many know that we're living in those days right now, the days of Noah? We're living in crazy times. You guys know what happened last week, the shootings and, 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 and all this craziness that's going on. We're living in crazy times. We're living in those days of Noah. And I really believe that a lot of times God is at that place again right now where he's saying, I wish I would not have made people. Amen? But how many know that just as in the days of Noah, today there are some people, and I hope it's every single one of us, who have found some favor in the eyes of the Lord, amen, who are doing what God has called us to do and living a life that's pleasing him so he won't destroy this world because of us. There's a remnant of people who are in covenant with God, and that next verse says, but Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? And we're going to read a little long, long, more on there in a second, but I want to give you some stats. I'll, you know, Dwayne mentioned this, the stat of 150,000. Actually, I actually used that stat this week when I was preaching in the revival. And um, if my voice is messed up, by the way, I preached every single day this week except Thursday. So I've talked a lot. Amen? Sunday all the way till today every single day but you know what I remember back when I first got saved I used to say God use me and I and I look back on a week like this and I say thank you for using me amen that's all I want to do is be used by God how many want to be used by God amen and then when it happens sometimes we go oh, I got to do this I don't say that I get to preach I get to serve God. I get to come to church, amen? I get to pay my tithes. I get to pray. I get to live for the Lord, amen? I get to do those things. It's a privilege to serve the Lord, amen? If you're sweeping or vacuuming or doing anything, cleaning the bathrooms, whatever, what if you're doing anything for God, it is a privilege. 43% of children in the United States today are living without a father in the home. 43%. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists who display, with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. These are all things from the Bureau of the Census, the Department of Census, the Criminal Justice and Behavior. These are real stats. 71% of, of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 71%. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 90%, listen to this, of adolescent repeat arsonists live with only their mother. That's anger right there, being, being lashed out in fire, amen? 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no father. 85% of youths in prison grew up in a fatherless home. And the last one, fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need emotional or behavioral help than those who have a father in the home. How many know most of those stats were 7 out of 10 or above? People living in a home today. You know, if you're here today and you're one of those people who was raised without a father and you are serving God today, you, you know what you are? You're a miracle. You're a miracle, amen? You're a miracle of God. 
And you need to realize that. You need to thank God for that. You don't need to keep, keep staying on the fact that, man, it was bad and, man, it didn't work. And you need to say, God, thank God, thank you that I'm here today and that I'm saved and I'm alive and I'm in a good church and I'm serving you and I'm not a statistic this morning. Amen? Because you're not in prison and you're not in, in the hospital and you're not on drugs. You might have been on those things, but you're not anymore. The favor of a covenant father. Now, I want you to go to verse 9 right there in Genesis where we were. And we begin to see that Noah pleased God. Oh, my God, any God pleasers in here? Anybody who want to please God more? It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. How many know there's something about walking with God? And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of the flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And we know he says, goes on the next two verses to say, make an ark, talks about how to do it. And that the door of the ark is in 16. I want you to look at 16. Remember that the door of the ark is in its side. How many know that Jesus is the door? Amen. Jesus is the door. And the ark is our salvation. And he goes on into 17 to talk about the flood wars. But I really want you to look at 18. This is the key verse of the whole message. The favor of a covenant father. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark you your sons your wife and your son's wives with you I want to read that again I will establish my covenant with you you shall go into the ark you your sons your wife your son's wives with you father this morning as we talk about the word for a few moments anoint it Speak to us, challenge us. Father, especially every man in this place who's a father. Every man in this place who will be a father. Lord, help us to be challenged by your word, to take the challenge this morning, and to live a godly life of covenant with you so that we can make a difference on these stats, Father, and we can do something that you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hebrews eleven seven says that by faith Noah, we know that the end story was that by faith Noah, being divinely warned, this is Hebrews eleven seven, had, of things he had not seen, moved with godly fear. He moved with godly fear. And it says he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. I mentioned this week and many times that I was preaching to the churches, I mentioned to especially the pastors. I'm always challenging the pastors as I challenge myself. My first ministry is my kids. My first ministry is my family. You have to understand that if you, and this, this goes to, to the place especially of ministry. Too many people along the years, along the way, have, have, have been so gung-ho for God and for the ministry that they have not been able to be a minister to their own family. You have to minister to your family first, amen? You have to be a preacher to your kids. You have to be a preacher to your wife. You have to be uh, an example to them because like I've said before, listen, there would be nothing worse and I'm so conscious of this, I don't know how they do it, but I, there'll be nothing worse than to me being up here preaching about being a good father and having my daughters in their minds saying, what a liar, what a fake, 
what a what a what a what a mockery and rolling their eyes and doing whatever amen that that's not that's not good it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that I understand the call of God on my life is to make sure that when all is said and done and I'm standing in heaven before God, my wife and my daughters are with me. Can you say amen? My wife and my daughters are there with me. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his kid's soul? I'm going to add that to that. What good does that do? To gain the whole world. So you have people who are out doing things for God and praise God for that. But God's going to hold that man responsible. That man responsible. Listen, there's a whole lot of men today who are in big trouble. Big trouble. They're going to have to stand before God and give an account to God for that family. He's not going to say, Blake, how many people were saved in Costa Rica? How many lives were changed in Denton, Texas? Those aren't the first questions he's going to ask me. He's going to say, is your wife and kids here? I'm going to have to give account for my wife and daughters first. And if I don't get them there, now listen, I'm not talking about the fact that they have free will and that they make their own choices. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about have I done my part to make sure that I've done everything I can to be the man that I'm supposed to be so that they will follow me as I follow Christ, amen? That's what God is calling us to do this morning. And we need help. We need godly people in our lives. I've talked about this so many times. Many of you are new in the Lord. Many of you are still new to to what Victory World Outreach is about. But I preached Friday morning in that rally and I told those people again, thank you for helping me raise my kids. You don't have any idea how how important it has been for 15 years of my life, of my daughter's 17 and 21 years, to have godly men to look up to outside of me. To have godly kids to look up to outside of me. Most of their friends are in in our fellowship. That's, that's where their friends are. They don't, they don't have a lot of friends just outside of church. They have friends that are in the fellowship. They don't get to see them all the time. But there's, there's examples there. And there's, there's lives. Listen, people come and people go. But a lot of these people in our fellowship today are still serving God. Fathers are still doing the right thing. And they haven't wavered. And they haven't gone to the left. And they haven't gone to the right. And when I look at a pastor, I, I don't respect how much he preaches or how good he preaches. I don't respect what he has in a number of people people in the church come on I respect what he has done with his kids if his kids are serving God then he's the man I want to follow and my pastor today has all four of his kids sold out to God and serving the Lord in ministry the pastors that I look up to and follow that I follow in my life in our fellowship have kids serving God that's that, that's what we need to follow can you say amen And so I stopped there for a second, and that wasn't planned. But it says, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. When you begin to think about this, and I can already tell, I'm not going to get through the first page of my notes this morning, amen? I can already tell God's taking me somewhere else. When you prepare for something, how many know if it's going to be good, it takes time? Every once in a while, you can throw something together and, 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 and you know, goulash works sometimes, amen, takes a bunch of ingredients and it might taste good. You, but, but if you try to build anything that's going to last, a house, 
or a church or a building or a car or anything. It's going to take some preparation. You, you don't just get a good marriage overnight. You don't just have good kids overnight. You know, whenever you, I want you, I want you to think about this. I, and a lot of times we take this for granted. If your kids are serving God and they're living for the Lord, you better thank God for that. Amen. And you better realize that did not happen overnight. Kids don't serve God by accident. When you see a family that is serving God together and they're, they're walking, not, not in perfection because nobody is, but when you see right after right after right and you see a family living together and loving together and serving together, you better understand that was not an accident. It took preparation. Because those good things don't come. It's, it, it's very hard to build a good ark of a household. Besides the fact that it's hard in itself, you got all the world pulling on you and all the things around you telling you that you don't need to do it. And Noah, in a very difficult time, some people say, it's so hard to parent right now. It's so hard to raise my kids in, in the things of the Lord. But Noah did it, and he did it in a very perverse time. And so, yes, it is hard to, 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 to raise kids in these days and ages, but what you need to do is get them in the right places. You can't expect your kids to serve God if they're not in a place where other people are serving God. You've got to surround them with people that they can look up to and that they can say, man, what are you doing? I, I see you, your kids serving God. I see you've got a good marriage. Give me some pointers. I said Friday morning what I say all the time here. You can't learn if you don't want to learn. You can't be discipled if you're not asking for it. You're not going to be a good father or a good parent if you're not asking people, how do I be a good father? What areas can I grow in? What, what have you done to raise your kids right? I've told the story before, and I'll say it again since I was just there, Pastor Bland. How many know Pastor Bland? One of my favorite pastors, man of wisdom. Amazing, wisdom seeps out of him. I, I, I hope one day to have an ounce of the wisdom that that man has. He's a wise man. And he, every time he gives me an answer, I go, man... Why didn't I think of that? Hey Amen. I've never been around somebody like that. Seems so easy when they give you the answer. But I look at, I used to look at his kids. He's another one. They have four kids. Is that right? Three, four, five, 20, four, three, three. Thank you. Three kids. Lots. Yeah. Three kids, two girls and a boy. That's right. And I used to watch them at, at, the, at the conferences. I'd be in the prayer room praying and I'd look around and I'd see his kids praying they weren't just there staring. They weren't out talking with everybody else like a lot of kids do. They were in the prayer room praying. And I'd stop and I'd look again. And they weren't going like I was. They were praying. But I, I was doing it because I wanted to see if they were really praying. And they were praying. And they stayed in that prayer room. And, and then I'd see them, they'd be at the altar. And I'd just see how they carried themselves. And I thought, man, those are godly children. So I said, I'm going to go ask this man what he's doing. I'm going to go pick his brain. What are you doing? What, are you, what aren't you doing? And I'd ask him every year, I'd ask him stuff. And I'd come back and I'd put that into practice in my, in my daughters. Because I saw that it works. Listen, if you want something that works, you've got to follow something that works. Amen? And so you've got to get something in your life. If you, if you don't know how to, to prepare something or build something, you need to learn. And you got to watch somebody who's built it right. Amen. If you see somebody build a house and it falls, say, hey, I'm sorry your house fell, but don't go ask them how they built it. Because you'll fall too. 
But if you see someone who's built a house and it's lasted and, and, the, and that, like that old story, you know, the, the rains come and the winds come and the house is still standing. It's not built upon sand. It's built upon a rock. Noah had, had, had built a house that was a household. Listen again, in Hebrews eleven seven, prepared the ark for the saving of his household. We have got to prepare our kids so that when they get older, they're going to walk in the way we walked. They're going to do what we do. How many know that we are a product of what our parents were? We are. You begin to look at your life, you begin to look at certain things that you do, and you know a lot of people say, you just remind me of your mom or your dad, you know. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Right? Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. So we, we need to prepare an ark for the saving of our household. Noah was a just man, eight, verse 8 says. Noah was obedient, Genesis 6.22 says. Noah was thorough and persistent. You know, it took him a long time to build that ark. I'm, I'm, God reminds me a lot of times when I get discouraged in just the walk of the Lord and trying to build something for the kingdom of God and it seems like, you know, it's not doing what you want it to do to your expectations. God always reminds me, Noah didn't build that ark overnight. And, and today we have a false sense of what success is. Today in the church world, success is numbers. Amen? It's numbers. If a church has lots of people, it's successful in people's eyes. Can I chase this rabbit for a second? Oh, man, there's thousands of people over there. That's got to be God. Not, no. Noah built an ark. Watch this. Noah built an ark, not for the multitudes, for eight people. Now, I'm not going the other extreme and saying we only want eight people in our church, or a church should have eight people, or a church shouldn't grow. But you don't look at a, a church that has numbers and think that's success. Because it's not. A couple weeks ago when I preached that message about rest in peace, right before the service started, I mentioned before, Robert put on, on Facebook, he put right there, uh, that churches that have sugar-coated messages will bring a lot of people to the church. But it won't take them to Christ. We need, to, we need to have the truth. We need to have somebody tell us, listen, this is something you need to do different in, in, in your walk with God. Here's, here's an area that you might be failing, but how many know it's better when I go and ask somebody than when somebody comes and tells me? Not that we shouldn't take that correction. I said again on Friday morning when I was preaching, over the years, my pastors have corrected me many, many times. You guys don't know all the times I've been corrected by my pastor. All and different pastors, not just Pastor Jones. I, we, how many take, you know, it takes more than one to raise a family, amen? Not a village, I'm not trying to go where that, where that goes, amen? But it takes more than one. We have a fellowship of pastors that help. And so if any of our pastors speak into your life, don't say, well, that's not my pastor. They're all our pastors because we're walking like-minded. And so I'd have different pastors speak things into me over the years. And it, you know what? When it first comes, it hits flesh, well, if you just let it get past the flesh and let it get to your spirit, it'll seep right down and it'll change you. And I, I was corrected on things that have helped me raise my daughters in the Lord. You know, I thought to myself, as we got back yesterday, I thought I was on the plane with my wife. She was asleep because she can sleep anywhere. I couldn't sleep. 
I drove all day. I wish I could sleep outside of a bed. Does anybody else have problems with that? Wow, not very many. Well, God bless all you lucky people, favored people. Just go to sleep. Some of y'all can just go to sleep right now. I just say sleep and boom, out. Even when I need to sleep, the only way I can fall asleep is by accident. I'm serious. If I'm sitting, we were on our way to the airport yesterday, and Pastor Jerry, man, he took care of us. This, he blessed us, and we took our rental car back to Denver, and we had to go to the airport. It's way out of town. So he sent a guy from his church that had, does Uber. And so he picked us up. And I had been up since 7 a.m., or right before, we left at 7, driving all day long. And he was talking to me all the way to the airport. And I was asleep for 85% of the trip. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'd wake up, had my sunglasses on. I, not on purpose. I was so tired that I was falling asleep. That's not when I, I was not trying to sleep. See, I fall asleep when it's not on purpose. So I, I hope I answered the questions right. I don't know. I, you know, he'd be say something, and I'd be like, yes, uh, right, right. You know, I'd just throw something in there. I don't know what I said. But he wasn't mad when he dropped us off. Matter of fact, he didn't even charge us. Favor. But if I try to go to sleep and I think about it, I can't. Amen? Why did I just say all that? What was I talking about? Somebody bring me back. Thank you. I looked over at my wife, and she was asleep, and I was going to say something profound to her, but she was out. So I thought it to myself. All week long, our vacation, you know, our vacations have always been, for 22 years, tied to ministry. We always do ministry or make vacation out of ministry. So we go to preach revival, we go to preach at the rally, and we take some time through that. And I, and I make sure I try to get my kids to go with me. And I thought, you know, we just had a vacation all week together, and all we did was be in church and praise God. That's the best vacation in the world, amen? My daughters are serving God, singing, praising God with other godly people for a week. What better time of rest can you have than that? But you have to make those decisions. You have to say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, there's some things that, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get to my notes, but I'm going to give you a few tangible things. Is that okay this morning, just to close? A few things, fathers, tips on how to raise your kids. Just a few things. One of them is, is if your kids live in your house, they do what you do. Thank you for those three amens. If your kids live in your house, they're under your rules. There is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that my daughters would tell me in my house, I'm not going to church. Come on. There's no way. That's my house. And thank God I haven't had to do that. I've never had my daughter say, I'm not going to church. Thank God. That's a blessing. But listen, if you're in my house, you're going to church. And that's even if you're visiting. You don't have to be staying there. If you're visiting, you're going to church. Do you realize that my brother-in-law got saved because he had to come to church? He wasn't staying at home watching TV while I was here. He came. They sat over there listening to us, praise and worship, practice, the whole service, going through the whole thing. And he was with us so much. He said, I don't get saved. Atheist. So if they're in your house, you say you're going to church. And if you don't like it, you can find someplace else to sleep. You 
got to lay down the rules. Amen. You've got to father. You, you've got to be examples. You, you've got to tithe. You think I can see you do it? Sometimes it needs to be demonstrative. Not, not so others see it, but your kids see it. They need to see you pull. You know, sometimes look over them with one eye shut and one open. Pull out the envelope. Wait till they look and let them see it. Let them see you putting money in the envelope. Let them see you tithing. Let them see you praying. Let them see you worshiping. Amen? You, you got you to do those things so that they follow it. Because you can't ask them to do things you don't do. And this is for all you young kids, parents. You know I got to hit this one. Spank your kids. <laughs> Spank your kids. I never get to use it, but I love to pull it out. Amen. Proverbs 13, 24 says, spank your kids. Amen. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. I'm telling you, if it's too late and your kids are older, still spank them. Amen. There's no age that they can't get spanked. I got to remind my daughters of that sometimes. I can still spank you. Amen. Come on, they're smiling, they're laughing. It's true, I haven't had to, but I just let them know, I can still spank you. They say, not in public, all right, well, I can't, I don't know which bathroom to take you into. I'm confused nowadays. I don't know where to go. <laughs> I don't know where to go. This whole trip, I was confused. I didn't know if it was going in the right bathroom or not, amen? But when they're young and they're little, spank them. Don't do timeout. Don't do timeout. There's no place in the Bible that says send your kid to timeout. And we, you know, this generation of prison kids is because kids aren't getting spanked. Now, I'm not saying abuse them, beat them. They shouldn't bleed. But this, this behind right here where you sit is made soft for a reason. And, it, and the handprint don't stay. We didn't have one of these, but we had a spoon growing up. And you know what? People say, oh, you use a stick on them? What do you think a rod is? It doesn't say spare the hand. It says spare the rod. How many ever had the grandma tell you go get a switch? Yeah, don't come back with a little one. Sometimes the little ones hurt worse. Let me ask a question real quick. How many of you got spanked growing up? Look at that. Look at that. Jesse, she's not raising her hand over there. <laughs> Just kidding. There's something about, and listen, I could ask my daughters, and I, my dad's sitting right over there. I don't have any bad will towards my father at all. I remember him, but I don't have any ill will towards my dad ever. I respect him because he did not spare the rod with me. And we need to teach that, not only to our kids, but we need to teach it to others. Because if we don't, this is going to die, and the timeout generation is going to take over, and we're going to be in trouble. Big trouble. And listen, let me say one more thing on that. When you tell your kids you're going to spank them, spank them. There's nothing worse than hearing parents go, I'm going to spank you when you get home. If you don't stop that, I'm going to spank you. If you don't do this, I'm going to spank you. And I'm like, you just warned them 33 times. Why don't you do it? Before I do it. <laughs> How many ever want to just do it? 
let me do it for you. Amen? It's important though. Don't tell them you're not going to do it. You're going to do it and don't do it. Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she's old. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. Fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, don't provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Finally, Proverbs 3.21 says, Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. There has to be balance. There has to be the whooping followed up by a hug or some love and some explanation of why you did it. Amen? There has to be both. And you know, Dwayne said it in prayer, God loves us and he chastises us. If we can't take correction, you know, if we're in a place where we don't take correction from God, it might have to do with how we were raised. That we didn't learn correction from our, kid, from our parents. There's a respect. But as the musicians come this morning, I want to hit one verse that, that's really important that I found in here that's really always resonated to me and really struck me powerfully. Are you still in Genesis? I don't think we ever left there, right? Just go to 7 real quick. And don't, don't shut me off. This is the most important part. Genesis 7, verse 7. Tell somebody around you, there's hope. Amen, there's hope. There's hope for our generation. There's hope for our church. There's hope for our family. But something that hit me, and I've never, I'll never forget this. The Lord showed me this a few years ago. And I'm sure I've mentioned it here before. But repetition's good. There was something very powerful. You know, a lot of people think about the flood and they think about Noah and they think about the ark and they think about the fact that his kids and his wives and everybody was there and they got saved and everybody else was out. But the thing that hit me really hard, I had never really realized this before until a few years ago, is that Genesis 7-7 says, So Noah, with his sons, went into the ark. You go, well, yeah, so? Noah with his sons went into the ark and his wife and his son's wives. That means to me something very important. Noah did not drag them onto the ark. He did not go, we don't see him going and and saying, come on, hurry up, the door's going to shut. It says they went into the ark with him. What that speaks to me is that Noah lived such an exemplary life, real life, that his, not, his sons, and not only his sons, his daughter-in-laws followed him into the ark. How many see that? It's a powerful truth. Powerful. Noah made a covenant with God. He said, God, and, and, and I probably didn't read that, so let me read that to you real quick so you don't get confused. He said in verse eight and nine of chapter nine he said God spoke to Noah and his sons saying and as for me behold I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you the Bible says that when a man or woman of God makes a godly choice it affects thousands of generations When somebody does not do that, it affects up to four generations of disobedience. But thousands go to the obedience side. And so I see in this life of Noah that 
in a very perverse and crooked generation, his, his son saw that he was living a life that was followable. Because how many know there's a lot of rebellious kids today because of what they see in their parents? Because of what they see. You know, if, if someone has a good example, there, there, there are black sheep. There's no doubt about it. I have learned to see that. Parents can raise their kids in godly ways, and there are just kids that are just going to go. You just see it, and you say, how in the world is that kid so different than the others? And I'm not trying to make a doctrine. It just, it's just a fact. Somewhere along the way, they're, they're choosing their own path. But the promise is, in, in Proverbs, is that if you train up that child in the way he should go, it says when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's the promise. It doesn't say immediately or always. So our, our job as parents is to do what we're supposed to do. I, I also know today that there's a lot of parents around the world, might be some here, who feel guilty because their parents, their kids aren't serving God. And I want to tell you, if you've been living for God and if you've been serving God the right way, that's not your fault. You've did what you, could, you were supposed to do. You just pray for them. But God says, I'll make a covenant with you and your descendants after you. So I'm not just making decisions for my life. I'm not only making decisions for my daughter's lives. I'm making decisions for my grandkids' lives and my great-grandkids' lives and my great-great and all the way down to Lord Terry's thousands of years or hundreds of years after me. You know, here we are in a day that we know that Jesus can come back at any time, but thousands of years ago when those men and women were making godly decisions, here we are, products of them. Because they stood the test of time. They stood the ground and they said, I'm going to be followable. So this morning I want to ask you, are you a covenant person with God? Does God's favor follow you? Is God's favor on you this morning? And if it's not, it can be. And here's the good news of the gospel. Today you can make a choice right now to start fresh. You might be here and say, man, I have never spanked my child before. You can spank your child today. Amen. Bow your heads this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for being able to laugh and being able to talk about the things that we're trying to do with a good heart. Lord, we, we make mistakes and we're not perfect and we fail and we, we, we make wrong decisions as parents and as fathers and as mothers. But God, our hearts and the intents of our hearts is to raise our kids in the way that they should go. And Lord, we're responsible for them this morning. And Lord, they need the balance of discipline with love. They need both. They don't need one without the other, God. Help us see that. Discipline without love does nothing. Love without discipline spoils. Help us to be balanced this morning. As you are balanced with us, you don't always tell us you're wrong and you messed up. You tell us, I love you. You tell us you're proud of us. You give us your peace. You give us words that say you're with us. You give us words that say you'll never leave us or forsake us. But then when we need correction, you correct us. That's the balance that we need in our lives this morning.